We're going to turn now to Katie Baer, who's originally from Heston, Kansas. She graduated Heston's nursing program in 2013 with her associate's degree and then Heston's RN to BSN bridge program in 2017. She worked on a medical surgical floor nursing from 2013 to 2017 at Newton Medical, where she held the position of charge nurse. She's currently working at Lincoln Surgery Center in Parker, Colorado, primarily in the preoperative and post-anesthesia care unit, as well as a circulating OR nurse for pain cases. The surgery center has been closed due to the COVID-19, so she, she's been floated to a nearby hospital to assist in the ER as a medic slash technician. Thanks for joining me today, Katie. Can you describe the kind of nursing that you usually do compared to what you're doing now during the coronavirus pandemic? So I work at a same-day surgery center, and the intent behind a same-day surgery center is that you have healthy patients who are coming in for minor procedures, nothing that's emergent or emergency nursing um, or surgery. It's all routine scheduled surgeries. I work in different realms within my center, in the preoperative side, getting patients ready for their procedures, in the OR for certain cases, assisting and helping a surgeon. And then I also work in the recovery center where I help wake patients up, keep them comfortable, and teach them about how to take care of themselves as they go home from their surgery. So it's a really nice balance of different skills, and also it's allowing me to see patients that are a little healthier, be able to go home and do well at home. And where are you working now? I have been redeployed. Our center closed on the 20th was our last day of surgeries, and then we kind of utilized a week to shut our center down and organize equipment and supplies. And then I was contacted by one of our floating agencies to assist at Sky Ridge Medical Center in the emergency room. So was it through your employer that you got redeployed? Yes and no. It's one of those things where our administrator wasn't able to find work for us, and they knew that if COVID-19 is going to ramp up and become this surge that's happening throughout our country that we would need help on different areas. And we didn't know what areas we would need help or where we would need the help. So our administrator took all of us who are willing to float and put us in a spreadsheet and sent it off to another company that kind of floats nurses around within Health One and HCA. Do you feel like it's a voluntary redeployment? It was one of those things where they asked us, are you willing to? And it was basically a yes or no. And you had a couple of days to think about it. And at that point, we didn't know if and when our center was going to open or when it was going to open. Originally, they had said our center would be closed until the 14th of April. And we heard about two days ago that it's going to be until the 26th going for two weeks without pay, two weeks without seeing people, I decided I need social interaction. I need to work. I need to be out and doing something. And I came to the realization that my profession and my skill set is going to be needed. I decided, yes, I would float. 
Um, I had a couple of coworkers who were not able to. They weren't able to because of their own uh, personal reasons or health concerns? There's some nurses who are coming off of surgeries or have histories of comorbidities that put them at risk for being compromised. And they could catch whatever comes at them, being COVID, being the flu, being just an upper respiratory illness. And then I have coworkers who have little kids. I believe, like most of the schools that I've heard, the schools in our area here in the greater Denver area are all being closed out for the year. And it's going to be online learning at that point. So not so much that your coworkers would be concerned about the health of their children, because we haven't seen children made sick, but that they just have to stay home and care for their children because there's no one else to care for them. No one else, nowhere else for them to go. A couple of coworkers who wish that they could throw their scrubs on and help and assist, but at this time, they kind of have to look at what what benefits them. Being away from their their family for who knows how long, having to self do some isolation once they come home, or um, just being able to spend the quality time with their family. When you volunteered for the redeployment. Did you expect to be working in the emergency room? I didn't actually know what I was going to get myself into. I figured I would get placed on a medical surgical floor with my history being in medical surgical nursing. But I think the greater need right now is in the ER, primarily because that's where the influx of patients are arriving. And I think I was also placed so quickly on the list that that where I just got sent to right away. I didn't think it would happen, but the second they called, I went ahead and said yes because I didn't know if another opportunity would come up. What is it like to work in the emergency room right now? It's kind of daunting. I don't have experience in emergency room nursing. One of those things you have to remember, patients are coming in for a lot of different reasons. And now with the heightened awareness of COVID-19, Not only are they worried about their chest pain, but there's also the added risk of, will I catch something while I'm here? Or you see people coming in for other other instances and you worry, is there some way that they could catch something else? Right now, Denver has not seen a surge in cases, which at least in my area, so that's good. But we're definitely taking precautions when it comes to um, protective equipment. And it's really a different time of nursing. Can you talk a little bit more about what makes it different, whether it's the difference in attitude or just difference in like how you get dressed in the morning? Talk to us about what's different. From surgical nursing or um, ambulatory surgery center nursing to ER nursing, you know, it has like that heightened sense of you got to go, you got to go. There's always a patient. There's always somebody coming in. So there's always someone who needs something. So I feel like things are really rushed, really, really pushed. Where what I'm used to is just a more relaxed day, more of a schedule, more of a hurry up and wait, but we're waiting on the doctors. ER is always just kind of a, you've got five patients coming in a row at that time. Who's the most critical? Who do we need to see first? We've got an ambulance coming as well. And right now, one of the fun things to kind of think about is, okay, does this patient exhibit signs of COVID-19? Do I need to put more protective equipment on? Do I need to change out of the scrubs I'm wearing before I come into work? Do I need to get hospital-issued scrubs so that way when I come home, I'm not infecting my husband? 
do I need to take an extra set of shoes to work in case I'm getting myself in a dirty situation, an instance where maybe I get something on my shoes I don't want to bring home. When I come home now, uh, it's one of those things. I call the bathroom decontam because I allow myself a hot shower and everything in the washing machine before I even say hi to my husband. It's very different compared to my surgery center where I'm able to come home in my regular clothes and I don't feel like I need to scrub a layer of skin off my body. Mm-hmm. How about the other nurses in the emergency room? They're, I'm sure they're used to this feeling of, oh, there's more patients, there's more patients. But the whole anxiety around there's a lot of patients and I'm not sure which one has coronavirus has added a huge stress to the people that I work with. How do you see that where you are? I'd say there's a heightened anxiety for the not knowing what they're going to run into for the day that ear nurses always seem to kind of have a little more awareness towards. But it's just a matter of, I would say, the whole um, protective equipment, not having that readily accessed. Most of the times you would have, you know, boxes of masks or gowns and gloves and everything all dispersed throughout your department. And now everything is basically stacked on a cart, and we have a steward that will dispense it to you. So if you need a certain mask, you have to go to them and ask for one. And if you're going into a room with a suspected COVID patient, you have to state what room you are going into and what you're doing. You really have to justify getting the equipment that you need. Yeah, and why you need it, and it's something you didn't think of. I can see it kind of getting on their nerves, maybe, just as a matter of now I have to stop and explain something and not just do my job. The people that I've gotten the chance to work with are really wonderful folks that have kind of taken me in and helped me get used to their facility. That's great that you've been welcomed into this new place, because sometimes that's a lot of anxiety in itself, going to a new place to work. Yes. Do you feel like you have the personal protective equipment that you need when you do need it? I feel like... We have what we need. You probably know this as well. You know, we're used to one mask per case or per, per patient, whereas if I go in to see a patient, I would take that mask off after leaving the room and get a new one. Now we're basically trying to keep one mask a day unless it's soiled or ruined or it gets destroyed or something. But otherwise, other masks that I've seen, gowns and gloves, I've seen everything in stock. It's just a matter of we're trying to make sure that people aren't hoarding or abusing those that equipment. Mm-hmm. And a lot of conservation. It sounds like your institution is really trying to conserve the protective equipment that you do have. Yeah. Have you seen any COVID patients in your hospital so far? Well, not to my knowledge. We're doing a screening at the door, um, as most facilities are basically asking patients, you know, if they've had a fever, a cough, a sore throat, shortness of breath, all those symptoms at the door, they get their temperature checked as well. Or if they've traveled, um, whether it be to mountain communities where there have been surges of cases or um, outside of the country. And if they answer yes to any of those, they get a special bracelet that's yellow that says COVID. So that way they can be placed in maybe a different part of the ER that's not going to have, you know, other patients close by. We try to keep them a little sequestered just in the event that they do test positive or they have it. 
And then if the patient at the door says that they don't have any of those symptoms, they get a green bracelet that basically determines they've been screened, but they're at this time not showing any signs of that. I believe what the ER is doing is if you have come in contact with a patient, they contact you and let you know. So that way we can kind of do our own little log of how many times you've been exposed or who you've come in contact with afterwards. So the institution is keeping track of who you might be exposed to so that they can contact you in an event that you would have a COVID positive exposure? Correct. If I'm going into a room with a suspected patient who may have COVID, um, I'm supposed to check in at the door, write my name on the door, and that way if they do test positive, I'm alerted so that I know, hey, that one patient that you had on Saturday that you came in contact with, you were doing their EKG or starting their IV, they did test positive, we're letting you know. At that point, usually that's where our two weeks of mask protocol come into play. But right now throughout the hospital, everybody is wearing a mask regardless, just to be on the safe side. You mentioned that there was a pre-screening program for patients when they come into the ED. Is there a health screening for the healthcare providers as well? Yes. Right now, our hospital is limiting access. I think we're down to four entry points within the hospital, and all of the staff are supposed to enter through a certain door. You're not asked the questions, but they at least check your temperature. They're assuming that if you're exhibiting the symptoms, you're going to come clean with your manager and let them know. At that point, then, we are given our mask and a paper bag that you uh, place your mask into when you're eating or drinking. Otherwise, the mask is supposed to be on. Yeah. During this time as a healthcare provider, really serving on the front lines, what's, what's caused you the most anxiety? It's a couple of things. So I was notified a couple of days ago that since the ER I'm at has not had a surge yet, they're basically putting us on call for all of the R shifts. Currently, I'm on call. So it's the not knowing whether you're going to work or not today is one of them. I don't feel like I can always do anything on my call days because I might have to just drop it and go in. One of the other things is just the, what might I see today? Will I see patients with COVID? Will I see people in cardiac arrest, respiratory arrest? Would there be a kid or someone, you know, something that I'm just not used to personally seeing Um, And maybe how I might react to that and then how I might react when I get home. And some of those things you just don't know until you experience it. But being that I'm working at a different facility in a realm that I'm not all that familiar with, I just have those anxieties of I don't know what I'm getting myself into today. Just a lot of uncertainty. Yeah. And you kind of have to be okay with it, unfortunately. (laughs) Be flexible in living with so much uncertainty, certainly. Yes, yes. How has your faith been a partner to you during this time? I've looked at my job as a matter of service a lot in the last probably week. I could have easily said, no, I don't want to float. But I know in my heart that I wouldn't feel comfortable with that answer. It's just one of those things you want to do everything possible that you can during this time. And right now that is going to somewhere I may not be comfortable. And I might be doing things that I'm I'm not used to doing at a surgery center, but 
I know that every little thing I'm doing, I'm, I'm helping you, whether it be another nurse or a patient or a provider, I'm just a helping hand. And to me, that's probably been one of the most gratifying pieces is being able to see other people, see what nurses and healthcare providers and EVS, respiratory therapists, you know, you're everyone who's out there on the front line, seeing what they do and just being able to thank them. Sounds like you're facing your redeployment during coronavirus with a heart of service. That's just about all I can do at this point, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, I think it's awesome. I think it's really amazing, and there are so many people out there who are appreciative of you and all the work that you're doing, the bravery that you're showing by being willing to be a frontline provider, even though it wasn't really what you intended to do when you started your nursing career in Colorado, but that you were willing to take it on in this in this time and in, as part of your faith to serve others. Yes. Katie, it has been a delight to talk to you today. Thank you for taking this time during your call day. Sounds like you didn't really mind because you didn't know what else you were going to be doing anyway, but I still appreciate exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> thank you so much, Katie. Well, thank you. I appreciate it very much. Thank you for joining me today for the Menno HealthCast as I spoke with two nurses in different areas of the country facing challenging times during the coronavirus pandemic. If you're interested in donating or getting involved with Mennonite Healthcare Fellowship, please go to our website at mennohealth.org and click on the link in the top right corner or email us at info at During these tough times, we need you to financially support the mission of Mennonite Healthcare Fellowship to help continue this dialogue about the intersection of faith and health. Please join us again next time.